Welcome, everyone, to episode number three. Already at three. Man, is it nice to be consistent. Hello, everyone. I'm Spencer Byers, the host of Polar Opposites, here with my good friend, Cajun Thiru Thani Castellum. Cage, nice to be back in the studio. We actually happen to be in the same room because my roommate happens to be home today. So it'll be a little more of a different episode today. But regardless, we're here. We're ready to go. And Cage, some big news. We talked about it last week at the end of the show. You went to the Hoop Queens event this weekend. It was date night with Miss Impeppa. How was the event for Hoop Queens, the final, I believe? And I also heard some stars of Canadian ball happened to be there. Well... There were some Canadian basketball stars in the building, and um, two of them, in fact. I know you're going to hate me for saying the second one, but Shea G- first, of all, first off, Shea Gilgis Gilles- Alexander was in the building, Hamilton's finest. And then the great, and I mean the great, Mr. Dylan Brooks in the building. <laughs> Talk about a loser, Cajun. Oh, my goodness. That, I, I told you when he sent me a video of that guy on Snap, I literally was going to throw up in my mouth. Like, I, want, I was talking I was talking through to my phone through you. Like, I was yelling at my phone at Dylan Brooks when he sent me that video. So that's how much I think Dylan Brooks is a bum, let alone his new contract, which we will get into a little bit later. But I do want to get into the atmosphere. Again, we, you talked about in one of our um, – classes talking about how you know that when you went to the WNBA event here in Canada in May you were talking about how the atmosphere kind of felt I'll say fake kind of felt flat if you will and I want you to talk a little bit about what the atmosphere was here at the Hoop Queens again the first ever Canadian uh, paid women's league you know these girls are really really good at basketball like they are really good at ball and I know you, you want to get into also how they played and stuff but I want to start off with the atmosphere what was it like being in the building at Humber College being able to hang out and watch not again not excluding SGA and that bum Dylan Brooks being there but you know what was the atmosphere like for for this event first of all it's 80 million dollar man Dylan Brooks put some respect on his name but this ain't about that. This is about the Queens and the women in Canadian basketball that are finally given a chance to ball out and show off their skills. The atmosphere, my, mind you, for the third place game, I would say it was about 70 to 75% hot for a third place game. Now, you got like, you got reigning MVP of the summer league, summer league from last season, Monty Cloud. And Brittany English playing. But the atmosphere during that game was just a lot more genuine. There's a lot of love in the there was a lot of love in the building. Unlike the WNBA game where nobody I know we don't like to swear here and I'm gonna keep it that way, but um nobody really gave a damn. Nobody really gave a damn. It was just like People that want to show their face there and just to say they support women's basketball. No, you don't. Y'all don't care. This atmosphere felt a lot more genuine. And these women can ball. And on top of that, the icing on the cake is these women can ball too. I'm just, it, it just sort of upset. It just sort of upset me personally that this was the only week I could really go to. Because because of our because of like this, my schedule and all that, but I've been wanting to go through this from time and like you said before, I've been saying this. Um, the atmosphere was genuine. 
we saw we saw some great play, some great team play too that you really see a lot in women's basketball than than in men's. There's a lot more structure. There's a lot more system ball. There's a lot more beauty in team basketball. There's a lot more fluidity in terms of team basketball on the women's side than the men's side. We both spoke about this beforehand. Um, it was just it was just cool to see. It was just cool to see like the love and support and that um. Hoop Queens got throughout throughout season two, especially during championship week. The place was bumping. The place was packed for the championship game. Roadrunners ended up winning it all. Um, Summer Paul was named player of the game. Um, but the whole objective is uh, is for Canadian women's basketball players to get attention so that Toronto can get a pro team eventually down the line. And I hope, and I do hope, that even if Toronto gets a pro team, that this continues, because this is really opening up a whole different pathway to, to Canadian basketball that is sorely needed. Cajun, you can almost argue it's like a feeder league, if you will, kind of like the AHL for hockey, something the NFL desperately needs, in my opinion, as a football fan, is something, I'll say like the CFL, but a, a league that is below it that can feed players so you have more talent. Because the reality is, if you have a lower league, that's full of really good hockey players. Because the AHL, as much as it is not the NHL, there are some really good players down there. There are some guys that can play. They're just maybe not good enough for the for the, uh, for the the majors. Kind of same thing with baseball. How many levels of baseball there are. There's rookie ball. There's the, they're, they're not only that, there's the um, complexes, which aren't even rookie ball. Then there's rookie ball, single A, high A, get that, double A, triple A, and then the majors. So there's so many different levels. You know, that yet there's so many levels of good ball that they're not, you don't need to go see your major league team. You can see a double A game and be enjoyed, have fun at that level. So maybe, you know, Hoop Queens could become some sort of feeder, if not just its own offshoot, you know, I'll say quote unquote off season, even though it does going, it does go during the WNBA season because it goes during the summer. It is on right now. Again, we will, we will cover it as the weeks go on because eventually the NBA news will cease as free agency did just open. And we will get into that again later today. So, you know, it, it is nice to see a league like this. Again, the first ever women's league in Canada that are, there are paid players. You know, I wouldn't assume a lot, but hey, money's money, ain't it? So it's nice to see the, these women be able to get the opportunity to play. And again, as you mentioned, 80% packed for a third place game. I don't think you could ask for much more cage than, than just about 80%. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have the details right here. The breakdown is there's 10 players on each team. There's eight paid postgraduate players per team. And then it's $200 per game. Um, now I'll tell you, maybe it doesn't seem like much, but at the same time, like we said before, there was not a paid one summer league in the first place. So you got to start out from somewhere. And the way the crowd was, shout out to Nikisa Kumal Singh, a.k.a. Kisa K on IG, K-E-E-S-A, K. Um, I'll show her some love um, for putting this all together because this started off at Curl Hall at Ryerson. I keep thinking it's Ryerson because I'm always so used to it, but TMU. Um, started off Season one at TMU to a big crowd here at Humber at Humber College at, at Humber College North. I'm excited. I'm excited, and this is and like I said before, this is 
what Canada basketball sorely need. And hey, as for me and me and Peppa, we were trying to keep this on the low. Uh, we keep this on the low, and then you just had to say her name uh, la- uh, la- last week. But it's all good. What a way to spend nine months. What a way indeed, Cage. But again, I do want to mention you. You want to talk about, you know, you did tell me before that the game's a little more methodical with the with the women's game, and, and I do concur with that. It definitely, I'd say it's more system ball, which, I mean, if you're someone like me who doesn't watch sports for the normal reasons, you watch it for the the styles, for the strategy, for the you know, the nuance of the game, it's my kind of ball. And I also will mention the girls were nicer in high school. The guys were always jocks, and they sucked. But regardless... So I also kind of slanted me the other way, but you know, Cage, what did you make of the of the ball? Like, let, you know, the crowd was great. We went through that. Obviously, again, great moment gives women as something to, like younger girls something to aspire to from high school. You know, elementary school girls, which again is always nice, always to have, always good to have a goal. And if Cope Queens is that goal, I think that's fantastic, and that should be promoted at at the highest level as much as we can. But Let's get on to the ball. What did you make of the style you saw on Saturday? Or Sunday, pardon uh, me. It was just free-flowing basketball in terms of the sense that, like, off of a make or a miss, you're pushing, they're pushing the ball every, to- every time. Now, there are a bit of highs, a bit of, low, a bit of lows, but that it comes with the ebbs and flows of the game. But a lot of good – you saw a lot of good iso, uh, iso, iso ball from – it was like Imani Cloud and Brittany English. But then, then there was a road Roadrunner Soldiers game, and the ball movement in that game was absolutely explicable uh, as was absolutely on display. Um girls were playing for each other. We um the one thing that I love seeing, and this happens in men's basketball too, and it absolutely pisses me off. Not pulling up for three on the fast break. You got a wide open layup in the lane. Girls took that layup. Instead of taking a wide open three, I'm like, sometimes we get lost in the sauce that like three's bigger, three's better than two, and, and it's the sexiest, the sexiest play in basketball. A layup is a layup. And this is coming from me who just jacks up shots, uh, jacks up shots from behind the arc. Well, granted, because I ain't athletic. But I like to see I like to see fast breaks being played if fast breaks being executed the right way instead of like pulling up on on a three on one. Like, come on now, what are we doing? What are we doing? But there was just more fundamental basketball. And basketball basketball hoop lifers or who hoop fans, I like absolutely love the beauty of fundamental basketball and the game being played the right way. And these girls play the game the right way, so it was, it was just a breath of fresh air. And man, do I wish I attended. Sunday was a sleep day for me, and again, I didn't want to intrude on the date night, the nine-month anniversary for Cajun Thiru Fanny Castleum. And yes, I have to say it that slow to make sure I don't slur it all up, but regardless, I didn't get a chance to go. I wish I did now, kind of. It would have been a lot better waste of my Sunday than the way I used it, which was literally just lay in bed till about 9 p.m. and get grabbed uh, and then wait for Dylan to get home. So that was a that was a good waste of a day, Cage. But, you know, you could have been tipping at Dylan Brooks. That's a missed opportunity. Oh, 
I would have got kicked out. They would have had to pull me out. They would have had to yank me out of the building at Humber. I would have been in his face saying, you should be in Thailand playing with Dwight Howard right now. What are you doing getting paid any amount of money to play in the NBA? I, wherever, Thailand, Taiwan, China, no matter. He shouldn't be. He should be getting paid on this side of the country. He should be getting paid across the Atlantic. God, send him to the Pacific. Send him to Australia. I don't care. Send him across the ocean. Pick an ocean. Send him there. Go to the Arctic. Send him north. Through the Arctic Ocean. I don't care. Send him somewhere else. This man should not be being paid in North America to play basketball. But I digress. Hey, 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 hey. Mind you, mind you from before. Put some respect on his name. That eighty million dollar man, Dylan Brooks. $80 million bum, Dylan Brooks. But regardless, we're now going to move on. But again, big up Hoop Queens and their event on Sunday. Again, good up to the Roadrunners winning the championship, I believe. So big ups to them. And again, Cajun enjoyed it. I bet you I would have loved it. I would have had some fun screaming out, you know, screen, screen, screen left, screen left, switch, switch. You know, I would have had fun doing that because the coach, I mean, would have had to, had to have some fun. But Regardless, hopefully they come back again next season because, again, first paid women's league, always kind of volatile when you're the first one. So, you know, hopefully they can keep these events going. It sounds like, as you mentioned, the pay is low enough that they can keep themselves running. And what a good season it is. And Cajun and I, depending on what next year looks like, maybe, quote unquote, season ticket holders next season. We'll be Cajuns. Absolutely. You're damn right, Cage. Now on to what's next. And this is up to you, Cage, because you kind of brought a curveball when you showed up. You know, Cajun pulled up a little early. He said about 245, shows about 215. So we're kind of shooting it. And Cajun walks up and says, hey, I want to talk about the, 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 the Canadian media, specifically the Toronto media. And I went, oh, okay, Cage, what do you want to talk about? And then he started pulling out names and started picking guys out of a line like he was 6'9 in the courtroom. Like I was getting worried. So, you know, Cage. What's going on? What exactly has been your problem right now with the Toronto media? What's what's going on over there, Cajun Theory with Andy Castle? Well, I've noticed this, especially over this season, and this has to do with the Fred Lamping situation, him leaving for the, uh, leaving Toronto after, I believe, it might have been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years with the Raptors organization, leaving on a three-year $130 million deal with the Houston Rockets. And that's right. That's right, folks. That's a little over $43 million a year. Um, the most ever, I believe, by an undrafted free agent, um, by an undrafted player. So big ups to him for getting his bag. Um, that's generational wealth right there for him, as well as his family, and for years and many generations to come. Here's my problem with the Toronto media. And it's the bias surrounding players, their coverage of players. And might I quote guys like Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam. We saw the struggles that uh, we we saw the struggles that Siakam had to endure during the bubble, especially in that second round series against the Celtics. And he got absolutely eviscerated by the media. Scotty Barnes during his second year. I had to adjust to a whole another different role. I had to build off of his Rookie of the Year campaign. A little bit disappointing. And then there's Fred Van Vliet, who struggled shooting the ball to begin the season, but you could not tell by the way the media was covering him. 
on one end, they're being brutally honest about a guy like Scotty Barnes or Gary Trent Jr. On another end, Fred Van Vliet say he goes three for 16. But you can never tell he, had, he ever had a bad game with the Toronto media. And that, and this started a whole trend of Raptors Twitter. As toxic as they are, he's turning on Fred Van Vliet. And it got toxic to the point. But how'd this start? Because of media bias. And now since Fred Van Vliet left, and, then, and now that Fred Van Vliet left, now the Toronto media has the nerve to gaslight fans? Like, nah, you created this yourself. You created this. You, you created this yourself, and it just like it just irks me. It, it just irks me because like the problem. The problem is themselves. They they need to take a hard look at themselves in the mirror and actually cover this team or cover cover basketball the right way. And this is a big problem with, and we talked about this. This is a big problem in media, just in general, especially in basketball media where. They control the narrative surrounding players. They're surrounding the bias of like certain players, and it's just maddening. Cover teams the right way. Can't we dream, Cajun? My goodness, if teams got actually covered rightly, we would have a lot less problems in the sport world, at least. I won't say the real world, but at least in the sport world, we feel like we'd have a lot less problems if teams were covered properly and no offense equally because i know espn's the worst for it but i think every the major conglomerate that covers sports you can pick out any of them doesn't really matter they cover the lakers the celtics the clippers now because they got Kawhi and pg the knickerbockers obviously i know you like using fin- uh, full names so i thought i used knickerbockers there just for you cage but i like it i like it you know but in spite of that like you know, they don't cover Milwaukee enough. They have Giannis Antetokounmpo, arguably the best player in the world. They don't talk about the Nuggets enough with Nikola Jokic, arguably the best player in the world. Like, they don't talk about these teams enough. And that's the problem, is the casual fan, and again, let me just educate if you don't know. Most conglomerates, like ESPN, Fox, NBC, CBS, TNT, whatever, they're not marketing to the hardcore like Cajun. Cajun's going to watch ball regardless who's got the rights, regardless who's commentating, regardless who's playing. Cajun's going to watch. I, a casual, is who you're marketing to. You're marketing to me. You're not marketing to him. He's going to watch regardless of who it is, who's commentating, where it is. It could be in Turks and Caicos, and he'll watch it at 2 o'clock in the morning because Cajun's a nut. And that's why I love him, because he's a nut. But I'm the casual. You need to market to me. You need to market to the guy who doesn't need to watch, who will do other things and waste my time, waste my money on other things. And they don't do it. They don't market to people like me. They market to the hardcore. And that's the problem is you're marketing to the 20% instead of the 80%. And you should be marketing, as I think I've illustrated, to the 80% because they're the people you're trying to lure in. You're trying to grow your fan base, not keep it stagnant until – you upset some and they leave like Cajun talking about there, how mad he is with the, the I'll, I'll say the Toronto media, but media in general mi- misinterpreting and mis showing, if you will, what actually is happening and kind of also gaslighting the, the fan that does know what's going on. And the casual of wouldn't be no worse for wear cage. Like somebody like me, if you didn't explain to me what they were doing, I'd have no idea. 
because I don't go on Twitter. I don't pay attention. I don't look. So I'd have, I'd have no idea this was happening, right? In so fairness, fairness, I don't like looking at Twitter either, either because of that reason. And um, you mentioned Denver, Denver and LA. That was a prime example of that. Because Denver played absolutely amazing that first first half of basketball in game one. Absolutely picked apart the Lakers on offense. But then the Lakers made a little bit of a comeback, made things interesting. What was the storyline of game one? Lakers figured them out. Storyline for game two, they've only won at home. Storyline after game three when Denver went up 3-0. They could come back from down 3-0. And then what was the storyline after when Denver got swept? The storyline should have been Denver sweeping L.A. to make it to the NBA Finals for the first time in franchise history. But then all of that got hijacked by LeBron, um, by LeBron's post-game presser. Will he, will, he, will he stay? Will he retire? And that's just disrespectful. And Mike Malone went, went off on it at, at times during the postseason. And, people, and some people had a, have a problem with... Um, had a, had a problem with Mike Malone doing that. Mind you, and this might be a bold take here, sports fans are idiots for the, mo- for the most part. Um, but when you market to a bit, when you, when the bias is so obvious for a big market like that, it just gets infuriating because there's other teams in the NBA for crying out loud. You'd think, and I think the Raptors in the past, before they got Kawhi and before they won that championship, and even now to an extent, the Raptors are an afterthought in the U.S. media. They are an afterthought. They just are. No one cares. Like, no, like, and, and this, again, is a problem. No one in the U.S. heard of Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, even Fred Van Vliet. Like, no one's heard of these people. Like, if if you're a casual in Little Rock, Arkansas, you have no idea who Pascal Siakam is because you don't hear about Toronto. You hear about the Lakers, you hear about the Celtics, you hear about Dontich with the Mavericks, you hear about the Clippers, you hear about, you know, I'll say the Florida teams with Miami, right? Like, you don't hear about Denver with Jokic and Murray and MPJ, Michael Porter Jr. You don't hear about Memphis with Jaw and Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. and that bum Dylan Brooks formerly, now Marcus Smart, who's a oh, better version. About, oh, you hear about Java for the wrong reason. Yeah, for all the wrong reasons, but we're not getting into that today thank goodness but um he hasn't done anything dumb again yet thank goodness we all have to wait for him to do something else stupid this offseason he can himself more suspended games but again regardless you know it it does get bothersome and tiresome when they recycle the same things and again and you know what the, the catchphrase they use cage and this one boils me really bad this one really does upset me when they say it or we're, tr- we're just trying to market to the fan you don't know what the fan wants who are you lying to with that garbage I'm sorry, 80% of the casuals are not Lakers fans. They're not Celtics fans. They're not Maverick fans. They're not Heat fans. They're not. You know who they are? They're Nuggets fans. They're Milwaukee fans. They're they're Seattle fans who want a team, who have been wanting a team. They're Vancouver Grizzly fans who, yes, there are still people who buy and own Vancouver Grizzly jerseys, okay? I'm I'm not saying Vancouver will ever get another team again, but, but that's the thing is you are just talking about the same five, six, seven, eight franchises. The other 24 are like, why do we care then? If you're not going to pay attention to us and you're not going to talk about our team, then why in the world am I going to pay to get ESPN Plus or get insert pay-per-view description here 
with whatever streaming service you want to talk about or whatever cable company you want to talk about to watch it. We're not going to talk about my team. Like it doesn't make any sense. So that's the problem. That's the crux of the issue is we continue to let the media in general, but you know, lesser to barrage us with the Lakers, with the Celtics, like cage. Here's a good one for you. Since LeBron left Cleveland, how many times have you heard Cleveland mentioned on ESPN or Fox or one of the U.S. conglomerates? How many times have you heard of the Cleveland Cavaliers? The only time is whenever they – A, whenever they mention about LeBron, or B, if they get a number one draft pick, or C, if they make the playoffs. And how good is that team? Evan Mobley, fantastic player. Jaron Allen, just disgustingly underrated for what he is. Donovan Mitchell, dog. At shooting guard. Darius Garland, arguably the most natural passer in the NBA, maybe excluding Chris Paul, but with the youth Darius Garland's got, he's right there, right? Okora, who's a great defender, not a good shooter, never really was, was drafted to be a good stopper to get into that defender. He was kind of Scotty Barnes, but started in college at Auburn. He has never developed a jumper, which, again, was why I thought Scotty Barnes was the wrong pick. But, again, we're not going to rehash that. He was he ended up being a really good pick for Toronto. He ended up fixing his college woes and high school woes with the jumper. But, regardless, like, that's the thing, Cage. They're a really good basketball team, and we never hear about them. We never hear about them. We hear more about the Knicks, who beat them in the playoffs, might I add. But, other than Jalen Brunson and, and uh, Randall, Julius Randall. And the Canadian R.J. Barrett, who, in my opinion, is underrated because he gets so much hate, even though he's not as good as some people thought he would be. I still think he gets a lot of hate for no reason because he plays in New York. Like, that team's not better than Cleveland. They're not better than Cleveland. They beat them, but they're not better on paper. And that's a problem to me. Like, how are we not talking about these teams that are great? Like, we talk about Giannis and Middleton for Milwaukee. That team was the best team in the East. They were great. They were great. And when we never talk about them, because again, they're not a big market. They're not LA. They're not Miami. They're not Boston. The reason why they're a big market is because they won 20 something cha- or 18 championships, 17 championships or whatever. They won the most championships in NBA history. You know, like it, it's ridiculous. It's asinine. And I wish the media would change Cajun, but I think you and I both know it's not gonna. Yeah, absolutely. And Mainstream media is is basically saying this to like small market teams, and I'm gonna pull a quote from the great Ray Williams here. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And that and that's the sad part is people do care. They just get silenced really quick. Now, Cage, we're gonna do we're gonna do Scrabble. We're gonna do Scrabble, and I I didn't explain it better last week. I should have. So what Scrabble is, if you couldn't tell, I said his name a couple times now. Cajun Theru Thani Castleum. Theru Thani Castleum is 17 characters long. So long, in fact, you can't fit it on a school or business email. You can't fit it. Don't ask me why you can't fit it, but you can't fit it. Too many characters. I wanted to throw something at the wall when I found out about that. You know, as my as Jalen, as my roommate Jalen would say, too long, didn't read. You know, it's just too long. It's too long. So I created the Scrabble board because during our radio shows in class that were sometimes streamed, I don't think Cajun and I ever had a show when it was streamed, but regardless, Cajun and I had fun with, and my favorite Scrabble board name, Cajun Theru Thani Castellum, and that was a running joke throughout school. Every time I, every time I said his name, I had to say in the Scrabble board, Cajun Theru Thani Castellum. So 
this I thought that's going to kind of work for the show. So welcome into the Scrabble board. Cajun right now is six for seven on the year. He messed up the last one last week. He was six for six on free throws. And then DeMar DeRozan's daughter screamed and he bricked. So to Bellis. From the free throw line, I shot, I'm shooting 80, what, 85.8%. Well, as David Lannis, the president of CSM, told this Cajun, the reason why we're in sports is because we can't do math, which he's kind of right for some of us, not for me, but regardless. So, Cajun, I got four more names here on the block. And again, we're going to go easy and then we're going to get a little harder as the night goes on. So, do you got your piece of paper ready? So, the first name is I L A. L R L D. What do you think that is? All right, so say that again. I L I L A L R R L D. Say one more L in your spelling there. He's right now writing on our doc. What name is that? Lillard. Damian Lillard, who we will talk about in a minute, requesting a trade finally from the Portland Trailblazers. Make him seven for eight. From the Scrabble board. Now on the next one. Again, we're getting a little harder this time, Case. A little harder. Just a little, just a little bit. G H L M R O N E. Who is that? So G H G H L M. R-O-N-E. Made his G League debut, I believe, not too long ago. If you want another hint, I got it for you. Okay. What is it? He plays for a team in blue. And if you don't get it after that one, I will give you the easiest hint. It is Chet Holmgren, my favorite player out of his draft. Got drafted second overall. He's going to be gross for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I was next hit I was going to give you occasion was he was a former first or for former top three pick, so he would have been pretty he would have been pretty easy to get. Yeah, the Gonzaga Bulldog again. I love the Zags under Coach Mark Few. Love that program, and I'm a big fan of his work. Big fan of his kids, Jay Suggs included. So. Again, we're going to talk about college ball when it starts up because I love me some NCAA basketball, women's and men's. More men's than women's, but no disrespect there to some great programs like Don Staley there with the South Carolina Gamecocks. Probably messed that up. And then uh, Gino there with, of course, the Yukon Huskies. So next cage. This one might get you. I think the last one's going to, but this one might get you. Are you ready? Yes. V Z. C-I-O-N-I-D-N-E. He just signed a new deal, Cajun. Who am I? Just signed. Wait, wait, wait. He just signed where? He just signed. I just signed. I just said he just signed. He just signed, I think as of today, but signed recently. So who is he? I actually lied. He signed two days ago, Cage. So two as of two days ago, he's with a new team. I'll give you that too. He's with a new team. Wait.
Do you want a hint? I think I know who you're talking about. I'll give you a hint. He used to play for a team in green, and now he plays for a team in orange. Wait, he used to play for a team? He oh. used to play for a team in green, and now he plays for a team in orange. Just sign up for that team in orange. Oh, Di Vincenzo. It is Di Vincenzo, the former... I, I thought it was Dante Di Vincenzo, the former... Villanova. So Josh Hart, Jalen Brunson, and Dante DiVincenzo. Are all now New York Knicks or New York Knickerbockers, like I prefer. So they go and lead the Knicks to the, to the NBA championship next year. Yeah, and you'll have to hit a buzzer beater to win. But regardless, so that makes you three for three today, which makes you, if I can do the quick math, makes you nine for ten. So you're 90% right now from the field. We'll see if you can hit the 10th free throw. Now, this one's going to get you, I think. Cause I, don't, I don't know who this is, to be honest with you. I just found he recently signed in the NBA. Are you ready? V-K-Z. V-A-K. No, no A. V-K-Z-E. V-O-N-E. V-O. V-O-N-E. There you go. V-K-Z-E-V-O-N-E. Who am I? For double-digit makes, Cage, come on. He signed with the Kings. He did, he did. Did you call? It would be Sasha, I'm going to go with Zvenkov. Out of the EuroLeague, reigning MVP, signs a three-year, $20 million buck deal. You're right. So, Cage, guess what that means? You are four for four on the day, only to Bellis has stumped you. You're now 10 for 11 from the free throw line. You're making the Raptors look like a bunch of bombs, Cage. Oh, oh man. Uh, shout out to DR DeRozan, the real MVP of that game. I cannot believe they still blame that little girl. But regardless, again, well done, Cajun. I could not believe you got Sasha. You don't think that played a role in them missing free throws, though? I, I mean, it probably did, but yeah, yeah, you're a professional basketball oh, player. She, he should, uh, he, she shouldn't have gotten the vitriol that Raptor, that Raptors fans gave her, which was absolute. Like, it was heinous. Was absolute, it was heinous. It was heinous. It was heinous, precisely. But she did play a role in them missing. Yeah, but you're a professional basketball player. You should be able to play with noise. I know you would think. You would think, but apparently, apparently, Cajun, just too much screaming. But regardless, now on to, we talked about the free agent frenzy. We talked about it earlier, that bomb, no good, rotten, stinky bomb that is Dylan Brooks got his new big contract. Was it four years, 80 million bucks? Something ridiculous like that, making 20 million per year. And the Rockets, the Rockets also signed Fred Van Vliet for three years, and I believe it was 130 million total, which equals out to 43 million a year. Oh my God! Now, Cajun, from the Raptors' perspective, on the Raptors' perspective on this one, is it fair to say that giving him that contract would have been worse than losing him for free? Absolutely. No, no contest about that. Fred Van Vliet. Now, granted. 
I talked about the hate that Fred Van Vliet was getting on tw- uh, getting on Twitter from fans and because of the media bias and all that. I like Fred Van Vliet. I like Fred Van Vliet. He's a dog. He's hard nosed. He has that mentality other superstars that are athletically gifted should have. Problem is, he's six feet tall. Um, and he was great as a safety valve, a catch and shoot release option back in 2019 when he first came on to the NBA as an undrafted free agent in the G League, then with the Raptors back when Lowry and DeRozan were on that team, and then eventually as a safety valve. Obviously, aside from the hate he got for him, remember as a hero on that step back when he caught Quinn Cook slipping in game six of the NBA Finals. Um, First time, uh, an all-star last year. But he wasn't who he was in the sense of, he got stretched out to the point where he's not, he's not a shot creator like that. He's not a shot creator like that because he wasn't that really much of a natural point guard. He's more so a combo guard. And plus of his height, too. Paying him and as bad as it was that Van Vliet left for nothing, paying him that much money would have just hamstrung the franchise even more. $43 million bucks. I know the Rockets suck. And I know the Rockets don't need, like, don't have the cash space to waste. But $43 million bucks, give me a break, Houston. My God. <sighs> I guess for Houston, they just needed need to reset culture because Houston had culture issues during their rebuild. But with that being said, the only saving grace of this deal is that it's only three years. That's the only saving grace. I might be one of the few that actually kind of, on the other end, kind of like the Dylan Brooks deal. Now, I'm going to tell you why. Because all that rah-rah that he was getting away with the Memphis angle fights, with Ime Udoka as the head coach, and now he's away from that. He's away from that environment, and he and he can focus on basketball because they're not. Let's be real. The Houston Rockets aren't going to win as many games. They're going to be a better team. How much better? I don't know. But they are going to be a better. But they're not going to be that great of a team in compared to Memphis. But Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks can go back to just playing ball and not have that outside noise or outside distraction. And a couple of seasons ago, he was an integral piece of that Grizzlies team. Mind you, he had a he had a couple of thirty point performances two postseasons ago against the Jazz. Now you did tell me it was two two postseasons ago, but this was probably something Dylan Brooks actually needed. And it remains to be seen how how he's going to play under those circumstances. But if this is true, if the Rockets really want to set a culture in place. But this might not be a bad move for Van Vliet and for Brooks. I know they're shelling away money, but those contracts are going to go away once guys like Jalen Green, Alperen Shangun, they're all in line for big extensions. Those contracts are going to be off the books by the time Van Vliet and Brooks' contracts expire too. So I think this is just more so a culture-setting move in place. As for the Raptors side, I like the shooter pickup. I don't think that should have been the only that should be the only move they made. But then they made a great pickup in Jalen McDaniels. And dare I say it, I might be one of the crazy ones here that's saying this. This Raptors team might actually be better than last year's. 
better might be a stretch. Be- better might be a stretch. I'm not sure better. Maybe more consistent, but better might be. I'm still worried about point guard. I, I am still worried about point guard. I don't know who the hell the point guard is going to be. If it's going to be Toddy Barnes, if it's going to be Dennis Schroeder. If it's, you know, some for some ungodly reason, going to be somebody else. Unless they pick up a okay, to so be determined. Let's, let's just say Barnes with the point guard. Let's just say Barnes starts up as a point guard. Now there's going to be a ton of groaning, growing pain. But to me, that's that's a hell of a lot better than that leader's point guard who will try to create a, something out of thin air, dribble the ball, dribble, dribble the air out of the ball, and then throw up a contested shot. At least with Barnes, Barnes was a point guard at, uh, was playing as a point guard at FSU, so. It's a little bit more natural for him now. Is, are there going to be growing pains? Yeah, but there's there's more of a ceiling in that sort of sense. There's more upside in that sort of sense than Van Vliet. Give Scotty the ball. Give, give Scotty the ball to handle at times and see what ha- see what happens. If it works, great. If it if it, if it doesn't work, then you pivot and move on. And then you got Noel to fill in. Noel to fill in, and I know how much you like him. Um. So they took the two most, two biggest issues, the two biggest conundrums or like enigmas on that team were Fred, were Fred Van Vliet and Nick Nurse. Both of them are now gone. Now gone. So that were both of them out of the way because it, it's not a coincidence that Gary Trent Jr. wanted an extension the minute Nick Nurse left. It isn't a coincidence. So now that these guys can just focus on basketball. And now it remains to be seen if there's a market for Pascal Siakam, but I think his camp sort of ruined that by saying he wants to resign in Toronto and will be an unrestricted free agent if he does get traded. But if this team stays as it is, and there's no distractions and they, this, this team can ball, this team might surprise some people. No. Now, is there a contender? No. No. But a top six team? Possibly. I'd say they're easily a top 10 team. I think they easily make the play. And if that means playoffs or not, I guess will depend on if DeMar DeRozan's daughter shows up again. But again, regardless of that, regardless of that, uh, another signing I really liked, it was right at the end of uh, yesterday. Again, we recorded this on July 4th. Again, I don't know if I mentioned it. I was going to mention it after the first segment, but I forgot. Happy Canada Day. That was on uh, Saturday. And then happy 4th of July for the American fans. If you're any Americans listening to this, happy 4th of July. Hope you're enjoying your cold beverage, whatever you decide to pick for that particular, this particular afternoon. But regardless of that, back into the ball, Malik Beasley going to the Bucks. I really like that deal. One, one year, 2.7 million, buy low, sell high guy. I really like this signing cage. What do you think about Malik Beasley going to Milwaukee? Well, here's the thing about Milwaukee. They need shooters around Giannis. That's always been the thing. Because you need the floor, floor space when Giannis is on the floor because Giannis, let's just say, ain't the greatest shooter. There was a great shooter coming into the league, but I guess because of strength, strength training and all that, like it got progressively worse. What you need shooters, but bottom line, my bottom line still stands. You need shooters around honest and Malik Beasley is a shooter now he did struggle in his time with the Lakers but had his moments with the Jazz um 
All he has to do is just catch and shoot. Giannis will create for Giannis will create for him. All he has to do is shoot wide open threes, and that's another that's another weapon to use for Milwaukee in terms of their in terms of in terms of their offense because off, both sides of the ball were were an immense struggle, especially in that first round playoff series against the Miami Heat. And on top of that, getting Middleton back and Lopez back. And then getting his twin man, getting his brother Robin on top of that too, to fight mascots. Um, but Walking quietly has had a nice offseason. Now, obviously, we we flamed, flambeed, criticized the national media for talking about the Lakers, but I feel like we have to talk about those Los Angeles Lakers because they signed back Austin Reeves at what I think is a pretty good cap hit at four years, fifty six million bucks. I thought he was going to get a lot more from what the rumblings I heard. So I think that's affordable. They also get Gabe Benson out of Miami. I think he's a bum, but he's serviceable as a point guard. Cage, what do you think of the Lakers offseason so far? Getting some re-signings, getting some guys that hopefully can play with LeBron. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. The same thing was said, I don't know, two seasons ago when they got Westbrook. The same was said three seasons ago when they got guys like Marcus Gasol and Kendrick Nunn. Um, they got a couple of pieces there too. Dennis Schroeder from the Oklahoma City Thunder at the time three years ago. And then, but the game, the game is played for a reason. Now, these guys also, guys like D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reed, Rihachimura, they were key contributed. They were key cogs in that Western Conference Finals run, Finals run for the Lakers. And now teams got a whole offseason to figure out who they are. And also, what makes you think guys aren't playing for their contract? Guys weren't playing for their contracts at the time because actually Moore was on the outs outside looking in for Washington before he got traded, and then he re- and then he revived his value in LA. So contract now that now that they have this contract in place, will they have that same fire? Will they have that same hunger? That's a question. And that's a question. Well, health be a fa- health health has to be a major factor here because you still got two of two of the more two of the more injury prone superstars. They are superstars, but two of the more injury prone superstars in LeBron and as I like to call him Anthony Data Davis or Anthony or AD Anthony Davis. Um, and then I like the flyer on Jackson Hazel. I feel I feel like that's a that's a big boost to have. In terms of backup bigs, but the problem still still stands. At least like when you play a team with a good big man like Denver, who in the hell's guarding Jokic? Because AD's not going to. AD's not the air, Cajun. The air. We all know it's going to be the air because no one can guard Nikola Jokic, let alone a guy on the Lakers. I like Jackson H too. I think he gives him a level of um, rim protection. But in terms of like an an a signing like that, I think Dwight Howard would have been a better signing. Because Dwight Howard is a bigger physical body, and he can try to bully. Leave him in Taiwan. He he, he could he could bully Jokic. Because what worked in 2020 when they played against Jokic in the bubble in the Western Conference Finals bubble? Physicality, and the Lakers don't have that. I guess they need to get back Javale McGee. Back Javale McGee, but Javale McGee. 
Yes, as Cajun does his Shaq impression, if you will. Now, another another buy low, sell high trade, Obi Toppin is now a Indiana Pacer for a couple second-round picks from the New York Knicks. You might not have heard of Obi Toppin in the NBA, but he was great at in Dayton. He made a team that plays in the A-10 conference, who, yeah, exactly, into a top-10 team in the nation, and they were fantastic when he was on that team. They were run and gun. They were so quick in transition. He could shoot from anywhere. He was great. Rim running, rim running the net. I think he's going to be great. Fantastic, even, with Tyrese Halliburton in that offense if they let Obi play his game, which, again, might be a problem. Cage, do you have an opinion on Obi going to the Pacers? I don't, especially since he left that, uh, left that um, limbo that was in New York. Now, there's an opening for him. There's an opportunity. Uh, now, if he plays minutes, this is a great pickup for Indiana. And I think he will compared to New York. But now there's an opening at the power forward spot. Now they know they drafted Jarius Walker. Um, uh, the Pacers did. So he's going to be competing with him. But that four spot's been a major weakness in that Pacers rotation. And, told, and Toppin has the opportunity to take it and run with it. Because um, Jalen Smith, in a threatening option, especially after he sort of fell off last season, and like he like he elevated Dayton. He's a he's more of a rim runner, and he can hit the three too. Um, and playing alongside a natural passer in Tyrese Halliburton, shout out to him for getting the bag, by the way. Um, will be will be huge will be huge for his development, and I think that's what sucks. Is I wish this happen, this move happened sooner for him because the development got stalled. Playing for a team like the Knicks, playing for a team like the Knicks when the Knicks got got unexpected success and reached the playoffs, and I think that was the worst thing that could have happened for Toppin. So good, good on him for getting a fresh start in Indiana, and I can't wait to see what happens. And talk about a team with a curmudgeon coach. Tom Thibodeau is one of the most curmudgeon-y coaches in the NBA. But I also do want to mention Cajun. Somehow, some way. Don't 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 explain this to me. I don't want to hear it. Apparently, Jakob Pertl is the same amount of value four years, eighty million as Dylan Brooks. Don't want to hear it. Don't don't want to hear it. Dylan Brooks is not worth a penny, a penny more than five million bucks a season. Oh my lord! I we talk about resignings. The only resigning I want to talk about because a bunch of guys have been signing super maxes. Tyrus Halliburton I just saw. I saw Middleton signed a new deal. A bunch of other guys have resigned. The only deal I want to talk about because this was a big fish cage. Kyrie Irving is back with the with the Dallas Mavericks. Three years, 126. That's millions, of course. Cage, what do you make of Irving staying with Dallas and becoming the co-leader with Luka Doncic? Is it crazy for me to say I like it? Because three years. It is a three-year deal. It's not like a five-year deal. And as much as Irving has had his issues with other teams in the past, like Cleveland, Boston, Brooklyn. You're only there for three. You're, you're there for three years. You get to. You're not the alpha on that. You're not. You're not the alpha on that team. That that honor goes to Luca. I like. I like how Dallas drafted drafted getting Eric Lively the second, and then trading for Rashawn Holmes, who I think will flourish in the Mavs rotation and uh, and. Um, it remains, to, it remains to be seen how many uh, how, uh, 
what depth pieces the Mavs get. But Dallas had no choice but to resign him because if he had left, after being after you traded for him at the trade deadline last season and then he left right after, that would have been a, a colossal disaster. And then it makes you wonder, is Luka next? Thankfully, we don't have to talk about that often, at least for now. And it's a... For, sure, it might be $42 million a year. But make no mistake. Aside, the, the issues from availability aside, as off the court, off the court issues. This young man, this man can ball. This man can ball, can create a shot from anywhere. And I'm convinced he might be one of those guys that if he misses a shot, it, you're you're shocked because he just missed the missed the shot. He can get a shot off over anyone, over anyone. He's that talented of, a, of an offensive player. And if it stays out, and if it stays that way, now you got a whole off season of Ken to. Fine-tune your chemistry. Fine-tune the chemistry with the Ma- with that Mavericks roster. And now you got and now you got rim run- and now you got rim runners. I still don't like the way how they handled the Christian Wood situation, but it's not a bad it's not a bad move given that hey yeah it might be a lot like per term, but it's also a three-year contract. I do want to mention though you mentioned there I was going to say one of the few big fish left would be Christian Wood is now still on the UFA market and he might stay that way depending on what his asking price is but I want to end with these two players I'll start with a player you like and then we'll start with a player we clown because he's a bum and somehow got a ludicrous amount of money out of his out of his team I think you know what I'm talking about but we'll start with a guy you really like Bruce Brown a guy I'm not, I'm not big on but I respect his game I respect the sixth man game there of Bruce Brown, former Nugget, has signed with the Indiana Pacers, two years, $45 million. This Pacer team, man, the more and more they, they add Cage, the more and more I like it. I'm in tune with you. Now, and put some respect on Bruce Brown's name, NBA champion Bruce Brown. Um, uh, but good on him for getting the bag. And I think this Pacers team is going to be sneaky good. Because one, and I don't think a lot of people realize this, Pacers were the Pacers were a playoff team at one point before Hal Burton went down, and that's when the ship started to sink for the Pacers in terms of that season. Plus, there's a glaring hole at the four. Now you got guys like Obi Toppin, Jarius Walker that can sort of fill that hole, and now you got depth in Bruce Brown Jr. too, and it's not a bad deal too, even though it's twenty-two and a half million. A year, it's also just a two-year deal. So this Pacers team is going to be tough, gritty, hard-nosed. They're going to play free-flowing, beautiful basketball. But you're going to be playing beautiful basketball if you have Tyrese Halliburton leading the leading the charge. So this Pacers team, watch out, folks. They could be a fourth or fifth place, fourth or fifth fifth place team. And not only that, Cage. You think about their starting lineup right now. You got Tyrese Halliburton at the one. You got Buddy Heald or Bruce Brown at the two. Whoever doesn't start gets to be your sixth man, which that's a pretty damn good sixth man if I don't say so myself. You got Benedict Mathurin. There you go. You got Benedict Mathurin is going to play small forward, in my opinion. You've got, I mentioned that four, probably Jace Walker. They drafted in the lottery this year, who's great. And if you don't start him, guess what? You got Obi Toppin, who's going to be running and running. 
and running in transition because that guy did it at Dayton, and I know he can do it in the NBA. And then you got at, at center, one of the better rim protectors, averaged like three blocks a game in the NBA, Miles Turner, who averaged 18 a game last year. And that's not to mention, Cage, and that's not to mention, let's go over some of these guys who I haven't mentioned. Andrew Nemhard averaged almost 10 points a game. He started a bunch this year. You also got a guy like Aaron Naismith, one of the best shooters out of his draft, former Celtic. He struggled in Boston, has kind of found himself in Indiana. You got TJ McConnell, who's had had some really good games last year. As we mentioned, Obi Toppin. You got Chris Duarte, who used to be their starting shooting guard until he got pushed out of the starting lineup. You got Jordan Nawara, who averaged 13 a night. Like, this team is deep. We talk about how you got to be deeper and deeper and deeper to compete. There's no longer this three stars and everyone else are bums. You can't do that anymore. You got to have a deep team, one through like nine or ten. This Pacer team has got like 12 guys that could start on other teams. 12 guys that could play for other teams. I think Chris Duarte just got traded to Sacramento like a bit ago. And that makes sense, doesn't it? I just went through all these names of guys that are great that have played um that that have played really well that are quality players like this indiana team is going to be dangerous and no i'm not saying they're going to be top four seed in the east that's that's a tall that's really hard to do when you got philadelphia you got cleveland you've got you know the celtics obviously you got milwaukee like you got some tough teams in the east but this indiana team i think they could be right there for that fourth or that fifth or sixth spot in the automatic playoff race Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I can't wait to I can't wait to see how the East is shaping up because there's going to be a lot of intriguing teams there too. Magic could take that step forward too. They got a good they got a good core in place as well. And remains um, to be seen what happens in Philly. Obviously, Boston got better. Miami still in the Damian Lewis sweepstakes, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Toronto. Washington's finally rebuilding, but they got a couple of decent pieces in place. Um, Atlanta, always interesting to see what happens with Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, Hunter. And now who's going to fill in that starting four spot with John Collins now? It's shipped off to Utah. It's going to be interesting to watch. And the last thing I want to talk about, okay, if you simply want to talk about something else, so I'll let you end the show with that. But the last thing I want to talk about was Donkey himself from Shrek, Draymond Green. I kept talking about how I don't think he should be paid by the Where Warriors. I, I got it from you, in fairness. I got for, I got it from Cajun Thiru, Thanny Castle. He wants me to cite my sources. Cajun, I just cited my source, okay? Can you get on my back now? I cited, okay? Okay, Chris? Okay, Chris Elkovich? Our, our former uh, new me- uh, new media teacher, Chris Elkovich, taught us how to write perfect articles, or at least try to. My articles are really good. I don't know what yours, Cajun. But, uh, you know, I didn't cite my source. I cited it. I cited my source. So I'm good. Cajun Theory, Thinny Castle, and called him Donkey. So we all, all call him Donkey. So Draymond Green got $100 million over four years with a player option as the fourth year. Now, I'm sorry. I know he's important to that that Warriors team. I get it. I'm not even arguing. But you've got to be kidding me. A hundred million bucks to Draymond Green? The walking triple single Draymond Green gets a hundred million buckaroos? Put some respect on that man's name. A hundred million dollar man, Draymond Green. 
a but, joke. But, 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 joke. Agent Jones. If you're saying that's the worst contract, I don't think that is. I don't think I it's think the. I don't think it's the worst contract, but I don't think it's a good one. Well, to be fair, his player option was at twenty-seven million, which he declined and just wanted a longer-term deal. In terms of how he's important to Golden State, you got to pay him that money. Otherwise, otherwise he was going to leave. There was no. There was no way he was going to take any less. It's a good deal in terms of that sense for the call for the culture. But I get you. If I get what you're saying. Any other team is like, what are y'all doing? But for Golden State, that that's the only team that would make sense for that. You know what this feels like, Cajun? They should let him go to Houston. I'm get paid fifty million bucks from those absolute morons running the Houston Rockets right now because they're just handing out money for free. They're just throwing it out of the building. They they might as well be going out like it's Christmas, Cage, and throwing out buckets full of money into the streets of Houston. You want some money? Here's some money. We're we're burning it anyway. We're giving it to Bum Dylan Brooks and forty three million dollars. Oh my goodness, to Fred Van Fleet. Might as well just burn it at that point. Might as well just burn it. So you might as well give it a fifty million per year to Draymond Green. So you can fill out the rest of your quote-unquote culture problems. So you can punch out Jalen Green or something. Like, my goodness. My goodness, KJ. I can't believe it. Can't believe it. Can't believe it. Uh, now, we were talking about worst contracts. I think the worst one of them all. And I know you hate Dylan Brooks and his contract. And he shouldn't be paid that much. He but, shouldn't what be. In, but what in the hell were the Blazers thinking giving Jeremy Grant a five-year, $160 million contract? Mind you, and this is going to piss you off. He's paying, getting paid the same amount right now, I believe, that Jason Tatum's getting paid. I mean, they're comparable players, aren't they? Come on, man. You're selfish. <laughs> Come on, man. You really cannot believe that, can you? There's no way. There's no possible way you just believe that. Yo, I was hoping you'd say I'm capping. I was hoping that's what you'd do. I hope you start pulling out the Toronto man oh, language over here. Oh, you mean stop the cap? Yeah, I was hoping you pull out the sound effect in real life, IRL. You start saying I'm capping or something, because that was that was a joke. If you couldn't tell, that was that was a joke. That, that was a joke. Oh man! And this man's gonna th- turn 30, 30 years old in March. On top of that, you really thinking of him as your top option, especially with Lillard demanding a trade now? That that's just like at that point you're just bidding against yourselves. Like, what are you doing? I mean, he shot 40% last year from three. He averaged 20 a game. He was third in team and he was third on the team in scoring. And Portland did not make the playoffs or the play in. He's not worth 32 million a year. Well, I wouldn't say he's worth 32 million. But if they're trying to convince Lillard to stay, I think he had to stay. I just think the problem is is Lillard doesn't want to stay regardless. I think that's the problem. I think Portland hoped forking over the big money to a guy like Jeremy Grant was going to make Lillard see that a guy like Amen Thompson's going to make them better. Like a guy like Cam Whitmore is going to make them better. The two, their two most recent draft picks. Plus they still have Anthony Simon, and this, I believe, and obviously Lillard and then Jeremy Grant. And this deal just reminds me of the one Philly made, which, which they ended up picking Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler. That's a bias. Hey, hey, Wasn't that a smart move, KJ? Wasn't that a smart move? Uh, sarcastic comment of the year, Mr. Byers. Um, but um, it just reminds me of that deal, and it's really going to hamstring Portland down the line, which I think, and it sucks because they do have some good youth right now in Scoot Henderson, Anthony Simons, and yeah, Jaden Stark. I do want to do want to speak for myself, KJ, before you continue. I did mess that up. Cam Whitmore and Amen Thompson are rockets. 
not Trailblazers. So I messed that up. It is Scoot Henderson and Chris Murray, might I add, who's also really good at Iowa. Bro- little brother, or older brother, actually, I believe, of Keegan Murray, who went last year. Actually, that's a lie. Before I keep capping, they're twins. They're twins. So Chris Murray going this year in the first round. His brother last year went top five to the Kings. He was great last year. So, um, yeah, the, so Chris Murray and Scoot Henderson, the two first-round picks going to Portland. So those are two really good young pieces, as you mentioned, Anthony Simons, another really good young piece. And Shaden Sharp. We have to mention Canadian, I'm pretty sure Shaden Sharp's great. Absolutely. absolutely. And he really showed something near the end of that season. But all that's going to mean for not, not like, and it's safe to say that Portland's going to be rebuilding it with Damian Lillard now demanding a trade. Yeah, they're going to have to continue the demolition of that team that never really peaked, if you will. That Lillard team never really got to where it should have been, could have been, quote-unquote would have been. Kind of like how the Aldridge era ended just before the Lillard era started. So, unfortunate for Portland Trailblazers faithful, but sometimes that's just the way she goes, you know? And it, and that's a good Trailer Park Boys reference right there. It's just the way she goes, Cajun, the way she goes. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, where do you think Lillard goes? Um, the North Pole. I think he goes to Antarctica and founds wow. a team there. Honestly, I, we talked about this before we started off. I think the only team he fits with is Miami. Because think about, you got to be able to afford Damian Lillard. You have to be a contender for him to want to go, or he'll just not play for you either and move. And have the capital to trade for him. Those three things are very hard three uh, three minimums, right? So I think the only thing that fits them, honestly, is Miami. But the problem with Miami is if you're trading for Damian Lillard, you'd have to think Tyler Hero's going the other way. And I know Miami doesn't want to trade Tyler Hero. So I don't know if that works. And other than them, Cage, I don't, I don't know where he fits. I don't know where a team would be like, okay, we're, we're like – you know, would Indiana trade Buddy Heald for him? And how much and would you need to trade for a guy like Damian Lillard? And would you want to go to Indiana, a team that was in the lottery this year? Like, you know, it's it's a conundrum, if you will. A real conundrum of where he will land with those parameters of having to be a contender, having to have the capital to trade for him, and having to have the money to be able to trade for him, right? It's a lot of moving parts that all have to coexist at the same time. What about Brooklyn? But Brooklyn's not good. Like, Brooklyn's not a winner. They traded all their good pieces last year. They should have been bad. They're going to be bad. That's all about Mikhail Bridges, probably their best player right now. Like, I mean, they did, they did some, get some draft capital in the process of getting trading away KD. Obviously, and Kyrie and James Harden. But, like, I don't know if Lillard will see them as a winner. That's Again, that's the problem. Is you, have to see, you have to think Lillard has to see them as a winner, or he'll just demand a trade from them. Like, why would he even try? He'll play, like, three games, get, quote-unquote, hurt, load management, and he'll get dealt to somebody else for more draft capital. So, I, I don't know what team thinks they're going to be in contention. Like, could OKC do it? Could OKC say Shea and or Lillard are going to play the two, and they're going to trade a bunch of their young guys? Like, that, that could work. But does Lillard see OKC as a contender? I don't know. Probably not. But I think they're pretty darn close, Cage. I don't know what you think about SGA and those – Nasty, amazing, so talented, and leading OKC Thunder. SGA is a dog. First of all, SGA is a dog. A-A-W-G. Dog. There you go. Hamilton's finest, baby. No such thing. 
And then I was going to say, Katie, if you say Shaden Sharp is London's, London's finest, there's no such thing as London's finest. London is a nasty, rotten, no good, smelly, stinky place. Yeah, London Knights right. kick rocks. I know it's always your hockey, but London Knights kick rocks. I have to mention it. No, nothing against Banshee, nothing against City, but those London Knights, stinky, rotten, no good, yellow belly franchise. Ugh. But Shaden Sharp came from there. And that makes him stinky, rotten, and no good, too, from London. He's a good Ontario boy. Not a good London boy. He's a good Ontario boy. Oh, so no man. such thing as London's finest, okay? I no really such trust thing. nerve with you when I call No such Murray. thing. Jamal Murray, Kitchener's finest. No such <laughs> thing. No such thing as Kitchener's finest. Kitchener Rangers suck, too. Those nasty jerseys and those mean old fans. No such thing. No such. No such. No such. No such. Okay. I'm London's finest, but that, 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 that's it. That's where it stops. <laughs> now remember how I told you that sports fans, especially NBA fans, are stupid for the most part. You're included, but yeah. Uh, I I would argue that both of us. Hey, um, I'm not. Dude, I'm not an NBA fan. I'm a casual. We've already been over this. Oh boy. Um. The whole the whole that now like the tide is turning against Damian Lillard, who famously famously or infamously said he wanted to run, run. He didn't want to run from the grind, and now he's running from the grind. But you, but you got to look at this both ways. Portland has not been a well-run organization like that. And a, a prior, like, uh, example number, example A was the way they, they handled Gary Payton II. I think he had a core issue that um, Portland wanted him to play, Portland forced him to play through it. And then try to ship him off to Golden State without mentioning his medical. I am mentioning that issue at all. So that should have been a red flag at how Portland, uh, how Portland's organization handles things. And now, and like, this isn't going to go well for Portland, especially since Lillard does want to go to Miami, like, does want to go to Miami, but they want a star, a star package return for for him. Teams are going to remember how they handled how they how they handled the situation that was Gary Payton the second. And at the same time. Now you want to turn public attention against Damian Lillard? Now I get it. He might be a hypocrite, hypocrite from from running from the grind. But there's only so much loyalty. There's only so much loyalty can buy. There's only so much loyalty can do if you fail a player over and over and over again. And Portland's not at that championship contending level. Not even close. So it was about time. Haven't been. Haven't been. It was about time Lillard demanded a trade, but like you stay loyal to a team that doesn't win, damned if you will. You you, you want to go to a contender and and then you get sh- shattered on for that, damned if you don't. Again, it's the fun of being an athlete in the 21st century cage that it's damned if you do and damned if you don't, regardless of what you do. You know, you win here, you win there. You know, you should have waited like. Poor KD is still chasing for a ring without the Warriors. And he, I think, is a prime example of a guy who went to a winner, won, and we don't see him in the same light because you went to a team that already won. They didn't need you. You just made them the the best team ever. Like, no one will ever construct a team like those Warriors again, Cage. And I, I genuinely, like, there'll never be a team constructed where you have the best point guard arguably ever. You have a, the, one of the best shooters arguably ever in Klay Thompson. You have Draymond Green, who then was okay at basketball. Now he's just garbage. You have Kevin Durant, who's arguably the best player in the world, 
And you've got, I think, Kevon Looney at center, who's a bum, but he fits he fits the role of grabbing rebounds and, and playing the paint and doing nothing else on offense because he's never going to get the ball with those four guys playing out. Jesus. Greatest, greatest screen setter of all time. Yeah, the, great, the greatest ball watcher, you mean. The greatest ball watcher <laughs> of all time on offense. But, but the only reason why that Warriors team never can be constructed like that was the deal Steph Curry got in the first place. Mind you, Steph Curry had a history, and I mean a history of injuries. Of ankle injuries. He still wears ankle weights. Like, he still wears those ankle braces because of how bad his ankles got. It got to the point where the Warriors made a let's see what happens deal. Four years, $44 million. $11 million a year, which is criminally, now we're looking back at that, comically low. That's the only but that's, that's the only reason because the salary kept going up during that twenty six after that twenty fifteen sixteen season and that contract from Steph Curry that's the only reason why that Warrior squad was what it is was what it was now if Curry was valued like that that might have, that might have never happened in the first place and man we wish it didn't because that team basically ruined ball for about three years was that Warriors team because they were just so good and like the Warriors did beat them. A very injured Warriors team, but you can't you can't move the goalposts. They played a team that showed up on the floor and they beat those Golden State Warriors. But yes, Katie was hurt and got hurt before that series. Didn't play, then played, then got hurt again and was out for the whole next year. Do I think it was Achilles? I believe Clay got. I want to say Clay was hurt. I don't know if Curry was hurt, but they just they were very injured that series. But again, you can only play the team in front of you. That's not a ripe on the Raptors. And mind you, even without KD in that lineup, betting odds had the Warriors favored to win that title over the Raptors, which I think was just stupid. Which I think was just ludicrous because that Raptors team was criminally underrated. Uh, what you talked about earlier, Cajun, they were a team that no one talked about because they're the north, the team north of the border, the only team north of the border, and American media does not care about Toronto. They don't. Like Canadians, we see Toronto, quote-unquote, as the Mecca because there's, what, 7 million of you city folk around here. Too many, by the way, too many. But regardless, there's a lot of people here in this G- GTA, greater Toronto area, but in Toronto, you know, when you go to America, 7 million people, pfft, what is that? That's a small town. Dear Lord. They have 100 times the population. We have 40 million people here in Canada. They have four, 400 million people in the U.S. So small towns to them are 40, 50,000 people. For us, small town, it's like where I'm from. Like 3K maybe in Owen Wyerton? Probably less than that, to be honest with you. Owen Sound's 20K? That's a sizable town. Right? Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, just a, there's a difference between American cities and you know, on Ontario cities, but Canadian cities in general, like California as a state has more people than Canada as a country. That's a fact. There's like 45 million people in California. There's 40 million people here in Canada. Like we don't, we do not compare number wise to the Americans. And that's why they don't care about Toronto. They don't care about Vancouver. They don't care about in hockey, Calgary or Edmonton or Winnipeg. Like they don't, they don't pay attention to us, quote unquote, Canadians because they don't. Because they don't have to, because they can watch the Lakers and the Celtics and the Mavericks and oh, the Heat, oh my. You're right. It's just, it's just in, in like, I'm not talking about like the Canada thing because like, that is what it is. Just, just, just the media attention in general is just infuriating. It's beyond it, Cajun. It is beyond it. But I think that'll be it here for us. Cajun's got to go to an internship. 
I might have a nap. I don't know. I got to do my G test tomorrow. So hopefully I don't fail because I feel I won't be able to get back. But we'll find out if that does end up being the outcome. I don't think it will be, but we'll see. We'll see. But for the third episode of Polar Opposites for Cajun, Firu, Thanny, Castellum, I'm Spencer Byers. We will see you next week, hopefully Wednesday or Thursday, or Tuesday or Wednesday, pardon me. Should be next Wednesday, depending on what Cajun's schedule looks like. But we'll keep you posted, hopefully on Twitter, when I open up that Twitter account for the first time in about a year. But we'll figure it out. But again, for Polar Opposites Episode 3, Cajun Firu, Thanny Castellum, I'm Spencer Byers, and we'll see you next week. Yeah.